um, I told Shane that we would, we will fix up those bathrooms. And, uh, and you, however you, the Lord speaks to you, um, you can give and just put Uganda on your gift. Or, you know, if you write a check that has your tithe and then you want to add more, just write on your check how much you want to give to Uganda. You can also do that online. Let us know. We, um, we want to help them. And uh, he, was, he was explaining, you know, as he was explaining how these Muslims are coming to Jesus. I mean, they're in a community of Muslims. And, and, in, and, uh, and because of the great need, the poverty, they're open. I mean, sending their kids to a Christian school, um, they're willing to, to allow that to happen just simply because there's no way for them to, their kids to have an education. And, uh, and so they're loved on. He, he was telling me about how um, some of the kids, they, they, when they come back after they've accepted Christ and they go, you know, to be with their family and then come back to school the next year, they'll say things like, well, you know what, my, my parents took me to the, the mosque, obviously. They would go to the mosque. And he'd say, they say, but while, every, while the other people were worshiping Allah, I was praising Jesus. I was praising Jesus in the mosque. I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus gets in the mosque, the mosque will turn to Jesus. And um, we are grateful for what God is doing there and uh, the commitment uh, to that. So if you'd like to give, we're just leaving it up to you and Jesus. Will you take, do whatever the Lord tells you to do? Um, I have a, a picture here that was given to me by Bob Hunt. And, um, oh, there's Bob. And I was, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm preparing to do a short um, update on, on prophecy, um, but I didn't feel like this was the week. I, I feel like I need to do it next week. I don't know if something's going to happen this week that will give me more information next week. But, but while I was praying, Bob had given Carol and I this beautiful picture, painting, and, uh, and, we, um, and it was in our, in our front room, and I thought, and as I looked at it, I thought, that's what I need to speak on. I need to talk, talk about this story. He's titled it, At the Feet of Jesus. And the portion of scripture is in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. This story is, uh, well, it's really well known. M most of you, I would say, um, many of you, um, know this story real well. Um, but that doesn't stop us from revisiting it because there's something I believe that God has for all of us as we, we take a look at this incredible insight into the heart and, and love of God in Jesus in this story. It's found in Luke chapter 7 and verse number 36. We have that picture, that painting. There it is. So you can't all see it from here. It's too small. But I, I love the, the way Bob captured Jesus in this, the way he's holding her face and looking into her eyes. Because that's the message that we see in this story. It is that message. And uh, it's in, in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, to eat with him. So this Pharisee says, come, we're going to have a, you know, we're going to have a meal together. 
And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, Pharisees, uh, the majority of the time, are really um, the nemesis of Jesus. I mean, they're always trying to cut him down, to discredit him. Eventually, they would be very instrumental in uh, pushing for his death. And, uh, but there are a few Pharisees that, you know, that did it right. I mean, we see, you know, Nicodemus, um, and um, we see um, this Pharisee who is asking for Jesus to come. At least he's inquisitive enough to ask Jesus to come and kind of hear his story. And so the Pharisees, there's some, have come. He's invited some of his friends, and they're at the house, uh, and they're sitting down to eat. Now, understand this, get the pic- to get the picture um, they didn't sit down at a table like we do. When they came and sat down to eat, they actually sat on the floor. They would take their feet and they would put their feet out and they would eat as they you know, would have their feet out away from the table and so they could eat. They wouldn't have their feet under the table. Uh, there is actually the table, if there is a table, um, it's very, very short and it would be um, just above the ground is how they would eat. And so... It says, it jumps right in in verse 37. It says, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, it describes her as a sinner, and, um, and the Pharisee will describe her as a sinner too. It says, when, when the Bible used the word, when, when people were called sinners, it wasn't because, you know, they stole the candy bar at the local, you know, dime store. They, um, they, were called sinners because there was something grievous. When people saw them, they would cringe about their sin. And because of that, um, most, um, most commentators believe that this is, in fact, um, she is a prostitute. And, uh, and so it says, when, when, she, she, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask, of fragrant oil. And this would be costly. She has put together whatever she had to get this alabaster, back, uh, alabaster uh, flask of oil. And it was usually um, a, a small flask and they broke off the tip, the front, and then they would pour out the oil. And, uh, and so, kind of get the, the picture of what's going on. This is a prostitute who goes... The Pharisees wouldn't even be in the presence of a woman, just, you know, in in public, first of all. Now, this woman who is a prostitute, a sinner, she's known, comes into the room. Think of the courage it takes for her to do that, for her to, to actually go knowing that she's entering the lion's den. She's entering the place where the people who are there, she would perceive as hating her. They hate her. They despise her. They don't want her around. She is unclean. Nothing about her, you know, is, is, uh, is in, in their mind, warrants that her being able to be in their presence. But somehow she knows well, we don't know the backstory of this. We don't know if she's met Jesus before. It seems like it. It seems like she's had some kind of encounter with Jesus that 
that she, she loves the Lord already because her action is not really an action of petition, but she's actually, it's an action of worship. So what she does is she brings this oil. She is, she is worshiping Jesus. She's already got this heart that, that um, you know, understands at least the grace of God in Jesus, understands that Jesus cares and loves her. And that's how she's operating. That's how she's, she seems to be motivated by that. But, and, and the thing is kind of, that's interesting. If you study um, the synoptic gospels, if you study the gospels in order, you know, the, the gospels aren't all written in chronological order. Um, you put them all together, you can get the entire order of Jesus, the chronological life of Jesus. What you'll find is the last thing that Jesus spoke about before he went to that party was, was this scripture in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your soul. I don't know if she heard those words, if that's why she's there, but she's there. And she has the courage to face all these accusers, come into uh, kind of the, the worst case scenario for her, you know, in, at that point in her life. And she shows up and Jesus is there. And verse 38 says, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. Now, I remember his feet is this way as he would be. So she comes from behind as, as he's probably eating and, uh, and she's weeping. She's, her heart is broken. And she begins, begins to wash Jesus' feet. Is she broken because she has, is she broken because of her sin that is evident? Or is she broken because her sin is forgiven? And we, we hear Jesus take, giving those words later, and we don't know if before Jesus has spoken that to her. And this is a weeping. This is a release of, of agony in her heart, and she's weeping before Jesus. You know, the Bible says, a broken con- and contrite heart, the Lord says, he will not despise. He, he, he embraces those with broken hearts. And so she began to wash his feet, with her tears, and uh, wiped them with the hair, with, with hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, "This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." Now. This is what's going on in his heart. I want you to notice what he sees. He sees a sinner. That's what he sees. And, and he questions Jesus. If he's really a prophet, wouldn't he know this? Maybe he's really not the prophet that everybody says he is. Maybe he's not the prophet that he says he is. You know? And... And so, he should at least know this. That woman shouldn't be here. She's a sinner. 
Now, while he's thinking it and saying Jesus doesn't know, discrediting Jesus in his mind, Jesus is reading his mind. Jesus knows everything that he's thinking. Not only does Jesus know know who, who that woman is, Jesus knows who this guy is, and he doesn't think so. So, Jesus answered and said to him. Now, Simon doesn't know that Jesus knows, right? So, while he's thinking, Jesus answers, but he hasn't, he hasn't asked a question. He's just thinking, but Jesus answers. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teachers, say it. There was a creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, that means one owed about 20 months, almost two years of wages, and the other owed about two months of wages. A pretty big discrepancy, but in either case, a lot of money. And uh, it says when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Now, I emphasize the word freely. Jesus is saying, this is not something they earned. They didn't do anything. They freely were forgiven, them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose, I love that, I suppose the one whom he gave more. I think he's being caught, and you kind of get kind of a resistant answer. I suppose the one who, you know, who is forgiven more. And Jesus responds, and he said to him, you have rightly judged. It is the one who is given, forgiven more. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? See, that was the biggest problem. Simon didn't see the woman. Oh, he saw her with his eyes. He never saw her with his heart. He only saw her with his eyes. So Jesus asks a pretty interesting question. Do you see this woman? And Simon doesn't really answer. Simon, do you see her? Why is he asking that question? She's standing right in front, uh, right, or laying, kneeling right in front of him. Because Jesus wants Simon to see what he can't see. Jesus wants Simon to have a different kind of eyes. And in my opinion, I believe that Jesus would want us all to have the same kind of eyes. They're the eyes that Jesus has. How, how many times... Do we just see a person's sin and never see the person? That, that what we see is their faults. We, a lot of times, the, the, the res- resistance of compassion is hidden behind the eyes that only see the sin. We, we make excuses for our lack of compassion because oftentimes we just say, well, they're in that place because they made those choices. They made their choices. 
they're in that place. And so we, all we see, all we see is their failure and their sin, and we do not see through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus asked Simon, do you see her? Because you really need to see her. And Jesus, I believe, is asking us, what do you see? Are you seeing? You know, I, I, I heard this last week that the average prostitute in America starts down that road, starts uh, their career at 13 years of, of age, the average. Um, some, between 12 and 14 years is the age that the average prostitute starts down the road. They usually are runaways. They get, you know, they get taken in because they have uh, needs, they're hungry, they're without a place, and, and there's a whole industry that is absolutely waiting, pouncing, ready to take them and, uh, and abuse them in their life. So, so you, you would, but you know, the backstory on people's lives, none of us know. Simon doesn't know the backstory to this woman. We don't know the backstory. Jesus doesn't tell us the backstory. I believe because Jesus doesn't care what the backstory is, Jesus is caring what can be done now to free her and to bless her and to see her come to life in Jesus. The backstory doesn't matter. So he, he says, I entered your house. He's talking to Simon. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water. Now, you know, it was common courtesy. When, when you had a guest at the house, you would do one of two things. You or a servant would wash their feet minimum. You would give them a basin of water so they could wash their own feet minimum. That was just common courtesy in those days. Everywhere wore sandals. It was d- dirty, dusty roads. You know, it was you, when someone came to your house, their feet were, well, they took a beating in those days. And for someone to, to, to wash somebody's feet, oh, the soothingness, the, just the, and it was just common courtesy to offer somebody. It's like offering a, you know, a cup of water to a guest or something. It was just common courtesy. Simon, he says, I came. You didn't even offer me water for my feet. But... She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair from the hair of her head. So you didn't give me water, but she gave me her tears. So Simon, you gave me you gave me no kiss. Now that was a custom. When a guest came, they'd give him a kiss on each cheek. It was, you know, how they embrace, you know, even the Bible uh, says, you know, get, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, I'm glad that's kind of the context of the biblical times. I'm not ready to give you a kiss right now. So, uh, but, but it was common courtesy. It was like, you know, shaking somebody's hand before COVID. And, uh, and you know, just, just, just common courtesy. And, and he says, you, you didn't do that. You did not anoint my head with oil. Another custom. It was a perfume. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to her, to you, her sins 
which are many. See, Jesus didn't not see that she was a sinner. He says, her sins, which are many, he knows that. But it doesn't matter. You understand? It, it, she, he understands that. It's, a, it's an issue, but it's not the issue. And so he said, he says, her sins, that, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Who has Jesus forgiven the most? Let me tell you who Jesus has forgiven the most. Me. Me. That's who. Jesus has forgiven me. The, the older I get, the longer I've been, I, I don't want to use age, the longer I've been serving Jesus, the more I recognize what he has done in forgiving me. The, the more, the, the longer I live serving Jesus, the more I recognize how horrible my sin was and how grateful I am for God's forgiveness. I, I, I'm hopefully getting better. I'm hopefully sinning less. I believe so. I believe Jesus is helping me, teaching me. But I don't feel like less a sinner. But I also don't feel more, I do not feel less forgiven. I feel more forgiven every day. The reminder of the things of my past and my life. And more than just the things I did, the more, more of the things that I was capable of doing. Because we're all capable. That's why Jesus talked the way he did about things. He didn't say, you know, if you look upon a woman, he, he says, you've committed adultery. If you, if you have anger towards a, a person, unforgiveness, you, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus, what Jesus is saying is your capacity for ultimate sin was always there. You might not have had the opportunity, but your capacity was there. You might have grown up in a different environment. And if you grew up in a different environment, maybe those things that you look at, down at, would the, be the very things you would be committing. You don't know that. Jesus said that in our hearts, you know, it, the, the issue is the issue of the heart. And the scripture tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked. Our capacity. See, Simon thought he was above what she was. What Simon didn't even consider is that if Simon's life had gone the way of hers, maybe he would have been doing the same kinds of sin. He was just as much a sinner as she was. And that's, that's the level maker for the believer. For us, we recognize 
that all of us were, are not only subject, we, we were on our way to an eternity without Christ, an eternity lost in our own sin. And that our sin actions don't even compare to our sin potential because our hearts were available to sin, just not, just not, a, not in the place where we had the opportunity. Some of us didn't do certain things because we were afraid of, of consequences. But you take the consequences away and the sin itself would have never been stopped. We, we all are in that place. And it's the same Jesus who forgives us all. But the person who loves God most is a person who recognizes that their sin is the greatest. See, if you think that Jesus just saved you from, well, you know, a a few white lies, you, you really didn't, you really weren't a bad person. You know some bad people. You really weren't a real bad person. Jesus saved you and actually kind of got a pretty good deal. Jesus says about her, her sins are many. I think he could say that about every single person in this room. Their sins were many. But as he said to her too, he said, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. He said, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this? And I just want you to know that's the most important question that's ever been asked in all of his history. That is the most important question. You can't ask a more important question than that. Who is this? Who is this? Ah. Who even forgives sins? The answer or the the commentary after the question actually answers the question. Who is this? It's the one who forgives sins. That's who it is. And, and, and the, the religious leaders who were attacking Jesus later on actually answered that question about Jesus forgiving sins because they are the ones who said only God can forgive sins. So we're recognizing. We're recognizing a couple of things. That really is a complete doctrinal pushback against the progressive, you know, churches of today that neither acknowledge that there is such a thing as sin or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is in fact God himself, the second person of the triune Godhead. Those two things are are really being answered in that question, in that response. He's the one who forgives sins. He's God. And if he has to forgive sins, there is such a thing as sin. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith in Jesus has saved her. See, even in letting her move on, 
he's, he's adding as you go. Live in the peace that God gives you. Go in peace. I can just, he- I can hear and see. See, when Jesus says peace to you, guess what happens? Ah, peace. She's growing in peace. But this, this woman knew something that all of us need to remember. She, she brought something that cost her to the feet of Jesus. And she worshiped God. She worshiped Jesus. She knelt because m- amazing things happen at the feet of Jesus. I make it a practice every day at some point. I try to do this every day. Kneel down. Kneel down. Just, just a simple act, physical act. I, I pray walking. I do more walk, per, um, walking and praying than any other kind of praying. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my physical position. Praying and walking is the way I like to pray. And, uh, and not even praying and standing. I have to be moving. And I'm, I'm praying. That's the way I like to pray. But at some point each day, I need, I need to kneel before the God I serve. I need to get at the feet of Jesus. Amazing things happen, folks, at the feet of Jesus. It's where Jesus speaks to our hearts. It's where Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It's where Jesus says, you are so valued by me. You're so important. It's where Jesus looks us in the eye. You see, he looks us in the eye. And he, he says, I see you. I see you. You're not part of a crowd. You're, you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're not part of just, you're, it's, it's not here. This isn't a gathering to Jesus. You're coming to him. He sees you. He looks in your eyes. He knows you. You're not just your greatest failures to Jesus. That's not how Jesus sees us. Others might, but not Jesus. Jesus sees you. And this prostitute, she became a strong follower of Jesus. I wish we had time to hear everybody's story this morning. You know, everybody's got a story of what Jesus, even if you grew up in church, there's a story how at one point in your life you recognized you were a sinner and you needed a savior. And you came to Jesus. And, and everybody has a story. And it's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. It's the process now of God revealing himself and, and revealing who you are and showing you his love for you and showing you how much his forgiveness, his grace has been toward you. He sees you. And do you see him? Because I think he wants it to go both ways. He sees you, but he wants you to see him. He wants you to see the one who says, neither do I condemn you. 
You see, he, he wants you to see the heart. What, what that group of Pharisees saw in that moment that maybe they couldn't grasp or even they despised because it was so contrary to the religious order. They saw agape love for the very first time. And Jesus wants you to see that in him every time you have an encounter with him. Even when those encounters sometimes might include discipline, because he does love and he does discipline, but it's always it's always in the attitude of love. Always. Now, what is the capacity of God to love so many people all the time? We can't do that. We love people and then they cross us and we don't love them for a while or they're a pain in the neck and we don't love them but we like them or we don't like them and then we love them. Can you imagine the ability to love all the time, full love, that's God. Do you see Jesus? Amen. I want to see him more today. How about you? Huh? I just, listen, if you, even how you see yourself, at, at some point this woman could get beyond, she knew that she, had, she was desperate. There was no other place to go. Her sin separated her from God and she knew she had to get to Jesus and somehow she got over she got over that which would have kept her from Jesus and she ran to him and if you are here or if you're watching online and you are in that place listen Jesus is just waiting for you to come in he's waiting for you to approach him who got the most attention once they came into that room? It wasn't the religious Pharisees. It was the woman that was most broken that got Jesus' attention. And I want you, whoever you are, if that's you, you come to Jesus. Don't stay away. The brokenhearted he loves. Your sin needs to be cleansed. Not just forgotten, he needs to cleanse it. And he will do that if you'll come to him. So let's pray. Paul, would you come and to him? We were singing. All to Jesus. Do we have? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, excuse me here for a minute. I'm going to do a little. Um, what are we singing? What, what are we going to say? I love that song. Okay, I'm with it. Jesus, we love you. Do you love him? Let's, uh, let's, let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Listen, as we do, really, this can be a moment for you. If it's not just words, this can be a moment between you and Jesus. And that's what it needs to be. And if you need to kneel down where you are or stand or sit, you do whatever you need to do 
to make this a moment between you and Jesus. The same Jesus that this woman came to and came to his feet is the same Jesus who's here right now. And you need to look into his eyes. Allow him to look into yours. Let him speak to you. In Jesus.
to you. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Be blessed in the name of Jesus as you go. When our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion poured out on the our affection, oh, our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion, poured.
Don't. 